No longer Department 125, but it is surely unfiltered. Welcome back to 125 Unfiltered. Going to dive deep into the second round of March Madness. Give my recap. Give my takes on all of the games. The Sweet 16 is upon us in two days. I'm recording this on a Tuesday. Wanted to get this out uh, yesterday, but start of school. Just trying to get back into the groove of things. Hope everyone had a nice spring break if you're listening at another school. Hopefully, uh, if you've not had spring break or you're on it now, hopefully you're getting a nice getaway from all the schoolwork. I can definitely say that California was a great time. And one of the best things about California actually is the time zone difference because waking up at 9 a.m. to watch some good basketball was fantastic. I could not complain at all. And man, the second round had some really, really good matchups. Before I get into it, uh, I did not put on my socials that I did a first round recap because I forgot. I did do one though, episode 133, talked about the first round matchups, talked about some big upsets, really dug into Purdue, uh, giving them the criticism that they deserve, talked about the Arizona game, Virginia, and uh, just kind of recapping the round of 64, but we're past that. We're in the round of 32, or we're done with the round of 32, so let's go. Uh, The first game was San Diego State Furman. Now, I will say about the first set of games on the, on Saturday, I went hiking in the Redwood Forest, beautiful by the way, but had no cell service, so I wasn't able to watch some of the games, so I won't be able to comment on some of the games as extensively as as the ones that I watched, so sun, a lot of these uh, games I'm talking about are going to be from Sunday, but it just seemed like uh, the bits from San Diego State I watched on the car ride over to the, to the woods was, I mean, San Diego State's defense was just too much for a firm to handle. And it's a, it, this is a team that's consistently found themselves in the tournament. They finally break through. I feel like they haven't made a Sweet 16 in a while. The next game was Duke-Tennessee. Now, it just seemed like this game, Tennessee just bullied Duke physically. Like, they were out for blood. And Tennessee, without Zakai Ziegler, I don't think anyone saw this team going to the Sweet 16. I'm sure everyone had Duke as their trendy upset pick uh, as, as a five seed, but... Uh, the Finnish guy in Tennessee, I don't know how to say his name, 27 points. He was phenomenal. He hit so many great shots in that second half, 10 of 13. And, and again, they were just a more physical, experienced team. And Rick Barnes, in, a, in the year where he shouldn't do it, he's had so many years where Rick Barnes should be, where his team should be better than they really are. But the team where everyone counts him out, he finally makes the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2019. Big breakthrough for the Vols. The next game from there... I believe was Kansas, Arkansas. Now, obviously, this one sucks because one again, I didn't get to watch it. I had to watch a lot of highlights, but this means that yet again, a winner pick for me goes out before the Sweet 16. I went back and remembered um, the teams I picked back to 2016. I would say I picked Villanova to win in 2016, but from that point, I picked Nova the next year. They lost in the round of 32. Picked UVA the year they lost to UMBC. I picked Duke when they had Zion. They went to the Elite Eight. COVID year. And then Illinois round of 32. Arizona last year, Sweet 16. And then this year, Kansas loses in the round of 32. So make that four of the last seven or eight years where I pick a team that loses in the first weekend. And I always typically pick a one seed. I, I picked Villanova the, the, the two seed the year they won it all against North Carolina. But this really sucks for the Jayhawks. I really thought they were primed for a big run. Here's the thing, though, and I said this on the podcast, Arkansas winning does not surprise me. This team is loaded with talent. Now, it does surprise me that Nick Smith only played 16 minutes. 
had zero points. It does surprise me that Anthony Black had four points. Both guys dealing with injury, but Devo Davis, man, 21 points in the second half alone, 25 points, 9 to 15 from the field, really willed this Razorback team to yet another Muscleman upset win. Jordan Walsh made some huge plays off the bench. He had 10 points. Ricky Council had 21. And then for the Jayhawks, I mean, 20 points from Jalen Wilson, McCullough with 13, KJ Adams 14, Dewan Harris 12, uh, Gritty Dick only 39, 7 points. Speaking of Dewan Harris, this is just the reality with this game. Kansas got really unlucky. Well, first off, you don't have Bill Self, but that's not the reason they lost. Now, the reason they lost, in my opinion, from what I saw, Dewan Harris in the first half hurts his ankle by kind of stepping on a photographer because they're very close to the court. He tweaks his ankle, absolutely not the same player in the second half, can't guard the same way, can't facilitate the same way that he does, and it really hurt Kansas's offense. And that just sucks because you just can't predict that. You cannot predict injuries in, in the bracket and something as silly and stupid as stepping on a photographer's ankle or rolling your ankle because they're so close. Guys, I've been there. I've been on that court. We're way too close. We've got the camera lenses to move farther back so players don't get injured like this and, and potentially cost the team a run in the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, it happened to the Jayhawks, but let's give credit where credit is due. Eric Musselman yet again pulls off a huge upset on a number one seed. We saw the emotion from Devo Davis. Might be Devo. Devontae Davis uh, after the game. Seeing, I mean, how much this team has struggled through injuries, starting off SEC play really poorly, and now it's finally clicking together. And this is why Musselman is one of the most underrated coaches in all of college basketball. Helps that he has the good talent to do so, but again, Nick Smith, not a factor in the game uh, from a scoring perspective on offense. But Devontae Davis and Ricky Council really willed this team to a win, and the defending champions gone again before the Sweet 16 Kansas my winner pick, unfortunately. Now, again, I was concerned about this game. I, I am not surprised that it happened, but I'm still a little disappointed that I just got another pick wrong. But uh, Princeton beat Missouri by 15. Houston, a very rough half versus Auburn in the first half, but they uh, won by 17. Sasser seems to be back for Houston. Uh, he had 22 points, 31 minutes. Tremont Mark, 26 points, 9 rebounds. He was fantastic for Houston. It just shows that this team can win ugly. They've kind of done it in the tournament so far. They only have one good half of basketball. Now, granted, playing Auburn is kind of a gift, opposed to playing Arkansas. Thanks, committee, for that one. But if this Houston team is healthy, they're they're not guaranteed to be in the Final Four because they have a tough road coming up with the teams they're playing, but this team should be the favorite out of their region. Uh, Texas-Penn State, I did watch the end of this. Penn State was up 58-55 with 4.45 to go, and they just could not score. They were taking a lot of threes, not really getting downhill, uh, and it cost them. And, and Dylan DeSue, man, I didn't realize this guy was this good. I know he was kind of coming on stronger towards the end of the season, but 28 points on 14 of 20 shooting. Shooting 70% from the field. I mean, that's just unheard of to score 28. No free throws, by the way. So Dylan DeSue 
really makes this Texas team different from how they've been the past years because we know Texas has good guards. They had Matt Coleman. They had Courtney Ramey. They obviously got Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter now, but getting that front court production is something that Texas has missed for years, for years since they were since they made it back to the Sweet 16. And you got Serge Jabari Rice off the bench. He's been a fantastic piece for the Longhorns. And I'm upset about this one because I really thought that Penn State and, and, and Jalen Pickett had some more magic in them, and I thought they were playing really well. And they had Texas right where they wanted them. But Dylan Dessou just hit shots, and the Nittany Lions didn't. Texas uh, going to the Sweet 16. I thought that was a very good game, the very good ending. And, you know, Texas deserves some love. I, I've doubted them a bit, but this is a very good team. I think this is definitely a team that could scare Houston if they make it to the Elite Eight. And then UCLA beating Northwestern wasn't able to watch that. Also, Alabama, uh, I saw a Brandon Miller sequence, but those two games... I was, I believe I was like at dinner getting ready for a flight, for for the flight back. Now, what I really want to talk about are the games from Sunday. Xavier Pitt looks like Xavier's back, played great offensively. You know when this team is scoring points, they're likely going to win games. Uh, I mean, good, good, good run by Pitt, but I mean, Colby Jones, Jack Nungy played very well. Uh, Sully Boom. Uh, seems to be back in form after a rough game at Kennesaw State. Now, this is what I'm really, really excited about. My favorite game of the tournament so far goes to Kentucky versus Kansas State. Marquise Noel, Mr. New York, put on a show for us, and man, am I grateful. Marquise Noel is one of my favorite players in college basketball. Yes, he's only 5'8", but is he a magician with the basketball? 27 points, 9 assists, 50% from the field, 10 of 11 on free throws. And this guy, I mean, not only with the flashy passes, but the, the just the clutch plays at the end of the game, hitting deep threes, being a senior leader that a point guard should be. Everyone should love Marquise Noel and how he plays the game of basketball because he's electrifying, he's fun to watch, but he does it the right way. He's a great team leader, he's a great point guard. When Keontae Johnson was having trouble getting locked up a little bit by Jacob Toppin, finished with 13 points, had that huge step back three, Noel carried the offense, and when he gets a grip on the game, you are done for. And it was so apparent, even when Kentucky was leading for a bit in the second half, and it looked like... Kansas State could have run out of gas. Marquise Noel willed this team to a victory. That's what makes him one of the most exciting players in the country, one of the best point guards in the country. Got some nice help from Tomlin and Sills with 12 points each. For Kentucky, the big O, Oscar Shibway, 25 and 18. Kaysen Wallace had a great game, 9 of 11 shooting for 21 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. But what really hurt them was in, was Antonio Reeves and Jacob Toppin going 2 of 22 from the field. Reeves uh, hit his only shot with like 10 seconds left on a 3. That ultimately did not have an impact on the game. Overall, a pretty disappointing season for Kentucky, knowing that they were top 5 preseason in the country. The talent was there. Coach Cal couldn't put it all together. But for me, this is about Kansas State. Definitely a team that I'm going to be pulling for because, again, Marquise Noel, one of my favorite players in the country. And they're coached well. Jerome Tang has done well. And I think Keontae Johnson will have a much better game against Michigan State. I think Toppin was a tough draw. If he's guarded by Joey Hauser, I think he's going to have a much easier time because he's just going to be able to physically manhandle Hauser. Uh, that brings up Michigan State. Let's talk about that game. Wow. This came out a shocker for me. Michigan State beating Marquette, who was in my Final Four, 69-60. I lost my second member of the Final Four. 
Seems like it happens every year, but it comes down to guard play in this game. It just shows guard play wins in March. Tyson Walker was phenomenal, 23 points, 8 of 17 shooting. Hogard had a good game as well, 13 points, 4, four assists. Hauser, 14 and 10. I think the big story for Marquette is, I mean, Tyler Kolick just wasn't himself. You could tell. He did have a finger injury going into the game. I believe he heard it against Vermont or is either in the Big East tournament. In, in the finals, but Tyler Kolick was not the Big East player of the year that we all know and love because two of eight from the field, five assists, six turnovers. That's just not the Tyler Kolick that we've seen all season. And if some of you are unfamiliar with, with Big East basketball, and I am a little as well, if you think Marquise Noel was great, you should have seen Tyler Kolick in Big East play because when he gets control on a game, he is, I mean, a triple double threat. Gets his teammates open. He's got good pieces around him. Prosper had 16. Iguodaro had 10. Cam Jones, 14. And although hit 11 threes opposed to Michigan State's twos, uh, 9 of 25 from two-point range. And and that's going to be tough to win games playing like that. Michigan State had very good defense. Uh, So upset that Marquette wasn't able to make it. That Shaka Smart's uh, eighth loss in the last nine games. But this is more about Michigan State. For me, because Tom Izzo always manages to figure it out. He does more. I heard someone say this on the field of 68, and I agree so much with it. He does more with less, better with better than anyone in college basketball. This is a team not very deep. Only Malik Hall uh, had 20. He had 28 minutes off the bench. Cooper 16 minutes, but they, they are only seven deep. He's got two guards. Who, who can who can play point guard. He's got a, a shooter with Howells who can stretch the floor. He's got Sissoko, the big guy inside who can play defense. Uh, Aikens, also a third guard to, to try and get some buckets. But this was a Michigan State team that collapsed against Iowa, did okay in the Big Ten, a, a conference that clearly is not that good, and we've seen it for years now. We're going to get to another Big Ten team in a moment, but one team out of the eight or nine that were in this tournament actually make it to the Sweet 16, and out of all teams, it's the one constant of this conference for the last 10 years, and it's Michigan State. The Spartans, uh, I mean, so impressed with how they play. Tyson Walker and Hogard hit some insanely tough shots down the stretch. Uh, was rooting for Marquette. Obviously, really, uh, I wanted to, them to pull through for my bracket. Wish Tyler Kolick was healthy, but Michigan State looks like they could potentially do it again. That's going to be a fantastic matchup with Kansas State in Madison Square Garden. UConn-St. Mary's watched a little bit of this one. Looks like UConn just kind of manhandled them. Uh, Sonogo, 24-8. and eight. The Creighton game, my goodness, guys. Ryan Nemhard was on fire. 30 points, 8 of 13 from the field. He hit four threes. This team just couldn't miss. Creighton just could not miss. 47% from the field, 46% from three-point range, hit all 22 free throws. And we knew this was a Baylor team that wasn't as strong defensively as they've been in the past. We know against Gonzaga, they were in, they were known for just shutting down Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert, and that undefeated Gonzaga team with the great guards that they had. But these guards were more scoring-based. LJ Cry had a pretty good game. He had thir- pretty good. What am I talking about? 30 points for Cryer, but Keontae George was off. He was one of 10, not his best tournament that he could have had in what will likely be his only NCAA tournament. Flagler, Flagler had 15 points, but when it came down to it, Baylor's defense just could not stop Creighton. Creighton got any shot that they wanted, and they hit them in bunches. Creighton, I was so, I'm so impressed with how they played their guard play. They were making three-pointers. 
I mean, almost everyone on their starting lineup was in double figures aside from Baylor. Shireman, he had eight points, but Creighton is looking dangerous. And their next matchup is, is, is against Princeton. So you're looking at a likely Elite Eight matchup between Bama and Creighton, two high-scoring offenses who can shoot the lights out. This is the Creighton team that we saw, that we thought would be top 10 in the country. They were preseason number nine. They're showing it here. They got loads of talent. And, you know, I got to apologize to them for picking against them, picking state in that first round. Creighton is the real deal. Very excited to see how far they go. Getting to the end of these games. Watch the little FAU, FDU. I mean, Davis for, for FAU. John L. Davis, 29 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists. I believe he had 5 steals as well. Just an insane stat line for the Owl guard. Obviously, nice going up against the 16 seed. Not a fan of the dunk at the end of the game because that's the, what I thought about is like that that play is always going to be etched in your school's history because they're always going to show that when you make a Sweet 16. Your first Sweet 16, you got that play. That's not a good look. But this is a good game. I mean, Roberts had 20 points for the for the Knights. Tobin, uh, Tobin Anderson, great coaching job. He, I mean, this game was very competitive until the very end. So very thrilled to see FAU make their first Sweet 16 and, and just get a good game. Seeing FDU fight to the very end. This was a an incredible performance by one of the biggest Cinderella's that we've ever seen. Uh, two games left. Thanks for sticking with me if you're still listening. Miami, Indiana. These, were, these are two games that I am really excited to talk about. Starting with this one. Miami's guards just overwhelmed Indiana in their three-point shooting. Nine of 23. Percentage-wise, doesn't look the best, but 39 is still pretty good, but they came in bunches at the end, man. Uh, Isaiah Wong showed why he was supposed to be ACC Player of the Year and why he got it over someone like a Tyree Appleby or Armando Baycott. 27 points, shooting over 50% from the field, hit four of six threes, eight rebounds as well. He's got a good supporting cast. Again, love Love, love Jordan Miller, 19 points. North Shadowmere, 17 rebounds. And, and the thing that people don't get about someone like North Shadowmere, yes, Miami doesn't have your conventional center, and he's only like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, but this guy is built. North Shad is so strong down low that he's going to get as many rebounds as he wants because he's that physically gifted and that strong. And I thought they handled Trace as well as they could have, 23-8. and eight. For, for Trace Jackson Davis, 19 points from Jalen Huchifino, took him 22 shots to get there, but this just came down to Miami had more guys that could score than Indiana. Miami versus Houston, this is going to be a really good game. I, these Nigel Pack obviously had a huge game against Drake, he had 12 points in this one. I think the multitude of ways that Miami can can beat you, whether it's you know, not multitude of ways, the multitude, multitude of players, I mean, that can beat you, whether it's Wong, whether it's Pack, whether it's uh, Miller, Poplar only played 18 minutes, he looked a little stumble, but you got guys off the bench, you got Joseph, who had seven points and five assists, that was huge, he kind of took Poplar's place, but this is a guard-heavy team, they play small, they play fast, they score a lot, and Seeing this high-flying offense go up against Houston's uh, staggering defense is going to be one of my favorite matchups. And honestly, I'm going to stick with Houston, but I, I, I'm going to call it a little. Would not be surprised if Miami wins this game. I think their guard play is that good, and I think they're well-coached, and they're exciting to watch, man. Miami is so fun. Wong hit some awesome shots. So this was a fun one for Indiana. Obviously for Trace Jackson Davis, one of the best players in college basketball. This is likely it for him. He is a senior, uh, but... 
just not uber impressed with their other pieces. And you you need a couple other guys to step up uh, outside of your two best players. Now, the last game, probably up there with my favorite game, definitely behind Kansas State, but second or third favorite game, TCU-Gonzaga. This game was from, from, I watched the whole second half, from start to finish, phenomenal. Watching Mike Miles and Drew Timmy and Julian Strother and Damian Bog go back and forth, hitting huge threes, getting and ones, getting to the line, a very, like, just a, a well-played offensive game. Now, the defense was really nowhere to be found in that second half. Each team, uh, or, or Gonzaga, 51-43 to in that second half. So, not much defense there. But just the shot-making ability for, from these guys. And you saw Gonzaga heat up from three. Strother hit a couple. Bolton, 17 points. Uh, he, he hit a few. There was a Malachi Smith, who had three threes as well. Saw the the perimeter guys for Gonzaga really step up. But at the end of the day, it's just Drew Timmy uh, and how good he is. 12-21, he had 28 points. TCU, no answers for him whatsoever. Wish they had Eddie Lampkin, but he's now going to Georgetown. That transfer really hurt because that would have been a big guy to kind of stand his ground on Timmy. But man, Timmy's been doing this for so long now. But really upset for TCU because, and I don't know why this is a thing for for teams in this tournament. Yes, defensively, teams are going to do their best to take away your number one option. They're going to do everything they can to make sure Mike Miles doesn't even touch the ball. But I don't care. You get your best player the ball. And with 12 minutes left, Mike Miles hit that huge three to go up. I I believe it was like 55, 51 or something like that. Put him up four or five points. Mike Miles had 20 points. With 12 minutes to go, he finished with 24. I don't think I saw him take more than like two or three shots the rest of the game. Chuck O'Bannon started chucking up threes, no pun intended. What was he doing? Not sure. Uh, you you had PV trying, uh, he had an okay game, one of four from three. O'Ban was one of nine from three. Uh, Miller and Baugh tried to you know, uh, do, do as much as they could. But at the end of the day, Mike Miles needed that ball. And he didn't get it. And and I'm upset for him because, again, I love these undersized point guards. I love how how gifted they are. I love how much fire they have and how hard they play. Mike Miles, just like Marquise Newell, he's he's a leader, a great point guard. And I wish we got to see more of him because he was fantastic in this whole tournament. And I feel like his teammates let him down a little bit. And if maybe uh, their, their coach gave him the ball a little more, maybe it would have been a different story. But at the end of the day, Gonzaga did what they did. Offensively, TCU cannot stop Drew Timmy. There were supporting guys. Uh, did, did enough. I thought Anton Watson played pretty well. Nine points, 12 rebounds, four assists. I think that was... Uh, a, 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 he was a huge piece for Gonzaga. And now we're getting a rematch of the epic game from two years ago. Gonzaga-UCLA meeting once again. Jalen Suggs hit that insane almost half-court buzzer beater pretty much. To, to take Gonzaga to the championship. Let's see if UCLA can get their revenge. But I just love this game uh, because of the, the high-quality shooting and the shots that were being made. Good shots being taken, good ball movement, good offense, and that leads to buckets on buckets. Wow. That's a huge recap of this tournament. Going to talk about the Sweet 16. Going to talk Elite 8. A couple matchups I'm really, really excited about and... Uh, I guess I'll have to talk about my backup bracket a little. Uh, the two matchups I'm really excited for, Houston-Miami, obviously going to be one of those, and then Kansas-Michigan State. So those are the two for me to keep an eye on. 
uh, looking at what we got. I'm going to go Alabama Creighton. I'm going to go Kansas State Tennessee. Uh, I will take Houston and Texas, even though I think Miami could pull off that upset. And then UConn Gonzaga, just because UCLA lost Singleton in their second round game versus Northwestern. Lastly, to end off this episode, a big episode here today, I really wanted to talk about these games in depth. I made a backup bracket, not a backup. I'll say I made a second bracket because the more the merrier, you know, got to make a few. I made two this time around. Normally my second bracket would be my UNC bracket. We didn't make it obviously. So I went with Alabama, but I, this was a bracket with a lot of upset picks and a bit of an unconventional final four for what I normally do. Obviously this year I went kind of chalk in the final four with a three, one seeds and a two seed, but this bracket has, uh, my, my main bracket has 380 points with the Kansas one winning, uh, 820 max. This one is 360, but my max is 1440 because my final four is Alabama, Kansas State, Indiana's gone, and UConn. And with UConn, with Kansas out of the region, I think UConn's, in my opinion, is the favorite to come out of the West with how well they are playing uh, with the combination of Sonogo and Jordan Hawkins being a, just an absolute sniper from three-point range. And then K-State's the highest seed in their region. No Marquette, no Purdue, no Duke. Kansas State should be that favorite. I know people are going to ride the Michigan State train. Wouldn't be surprised if Izzo pulled off another one, but I'm riding with my guy, Marquise Noel. And obviously Alabama, a big favorite there. But if those three teams actually make the Final Four, this could arguably be my best bracket since Villanova won in 2016. And this is my second bracket that I did submit in pools. I'm upset. But sometimes that's just the name of the game. Uh, This is why making a second one is funny. You get to go a little unconventional. You get to, you know... You get a pick Colgate with zero consequences. Um, I did not take Princeton or, or or FDU for by any means, but very bittersweet about about this one. And then going to the women's side, uh, my bracket is is five hundred and twenty points, ninety nine point five percentile. My max is eighteen hundred. I have my entire elite eight. Now I did not predict any of the one seed matchups, but. Again, have all my Elite Eight teams because I got Louisville in there and I love the matchup they have. I had Villanova beating Indiana, but now they play Miami, a much easier team to play. And obviously in these, like these are a little more chalky, obviously. Uh, but there's an eight and a nine seed. And I think uh, there have been some big upsets in the women's tournament. And then obviously UNC wasn't able to pull it off against Ohio State yesterday. So overall, been great basketball so far. Going to watch a lot. Thursday games are back starting at 6.30, I believe. Uh, That game is Michigan State, Kansas State. So I will be watching, hopefully. And you guys should be too. Stay tuned for my Sweet 16 Elite Eight recaps. We'll get into a lot of Final Four talk. Thank you so much for listening to this kind of jam-packed episode. Letting me break down uh, these round of 32 games. And yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. I'll speak to you next time.